All right. Well, welcome to Ascent Church, everybody. Uh, man, it is so good to be back. Um, for those of you that are new, I am Bill Stevens. I'm the lead pastor here at Ascent. And, and six weeks ago, this church, you guys and the board uh, of our church gave Jackie and I a gift. You said, take six weeks off, rest a little bit. And man, did we need it. We needed it. You know, after that Marshall fire, we, we lost our house in the fire. We were one of the 1,100 folks that lost houses in the fire. And yeah, there you go. There you go. You remembered. For you, those that are new, they're not just being insensitive. I've told them they have to go, oh, whenever I say that. Okay, so, so we'll try that again. I lost my house in the Marshall fire. There we go. So you were out of practice a little bit too. Um, it, I tell you what, man, it, we turned, we, we went right into kind of, triage mode. And Jackie and I were just taking care of our family and then 37 homes in our neighborhood in Rock Creek and then uh, 1,100 homes, 28 families in our, in our church, a bunch of others that were super displaced. We wanted to be there for our church and be there for our community. And we didn't realize how tiring that was getting on just us. And so we finally said, can we take six weeks off? And they said, yes. And so we did. And you guys, for the last six weeks, I got to date my wife and it was so fun. It was so fun to, to, we went on great dates. We love traveling together. We love getting in the car and just driving together. We talk about all the, all the, the, the history of our dating and Jackie will talk again about how I, she saw fireworks when I kissed her the first time on the steps of Chi Omega because I'm a good kisser, you guys. And, and so, so she, she, you know, we talked through all of that. We, so we had great conversation we had, we had great meals together. It was very romantic, very passionate. I won't tell you about that part. And it was, a, it was just a lot of fun to date my wife. And, and uh, we come back, the two of us, very refreshed in our relationship. And, and, uh, and, we, and I told her on the last day, I said, Jackie, I can't wait to keep dating you. I want to just keep dating you. And in fact, I want to challenge all of you. I want to challenge any of you guys that are married. Whisper to your, to your spouse, will you ask me on a date? We have to keep pursuing each other, you guys. It, it, the pursuit doesn't end. I say that in every marriage. The pursuit doesn't end as soon as you say your I do's. The pursuit has to continue. And so let's learn and continue to date our spouse. We need to keep asking them on dates. And that's what, that's what Jackie and I are doing now. And, and, and it's, so it was, it was a gift that you guys gave us. We're super, super thankful for it. Now, now with that, you know, obviously the rumors come. The rumors say, well, gosh, if they're taking that much time off, there must be something really wrong with them or their relationship. And no, we were just flat tired. And the rumors come of going, well, they're going up to the Pacific Northwest. They don't have a house anymore here. They'll probably just stay there. Come on, we love this place. This is our home. We love this church. We're, I, I'm in this for the long haul, you guys. I, I'm going to be 65 telling inappropriate stories of college dating, and you guys are going to be like, oh, gosh, I don't need to hear that. That's going to be me, so get used to it whether you like it or not, all right? One of the things that we missed a few things uh, while we were gone, one of the biggest ones that we missed was getting to thank Aisha. You guys had a great Sunday Aisha Cox is our prayer pastor and one of our teaching pastors, and she stepped down from staff. Um, and, and so you guys gave her a great send-off a couple of weeks ago. And I missed the chance to get to say goodbye or thank you. Not to say goodbye, because she's still around. Maurice is still around. But to thank her. Aisha is a close friend of ours. She, we call her, she's a niece to me and Jackie. She is, she is a, a good, she's family for us. But what she did in this church was remarkable. 
When you leave church, when you leave a church staff, you always want to leave a legacy, and that legacy is that you empowered people to, to live into the giftedness that God has given them. And that's what Aisha has done in the time that she's been here. She has just empowered people to live into their giftedness. She changed the culture of our church or, or, or strengthened the culture of our church around prayer. And she is remarkable up in front as a communicator. And you guys, she's going to keep communicating. There's no way she's off the hook there. I'm going to make sure she comes back up here again uh, to be able to speak every once in a while for us. But, but I am so thankful for Aisha and what she has given. I, I missed the chance to introduce you guys to some new staff. I mean, we, we, we were working super slim as a staff from COVID on. We've been, you know, staff has been taking on all different kinds of roles. And I missed the chance to, to, to get to introduce you to the, to the new parts of our staff because that wasn't sustainable what we were doing. We needed some more people. And John has come in. You, met, you saw him up here in front. He's our discipleship pastor. He's going to help us to take next steps in our relationship with Jesus. And so he's here to help us to do that. Uh, hopefully you guys have gotten to know Quincy. Quincy is our, is our guy that's going to hold our feet to the fire to make sure that we are blessing the socks off of our community because that is a massive value of ours. And we said, come in and help our team because we have a great team doing that. Let's bless the socks off of this community. And so Quincy's doing that. I hope you get to know him. I hope you get to know Terry, who's, doing, who's helping Kaylee with all of our children's stuff. You guys, the effort that our children's ministry is doing and the, the, the volunteers, the team that they have going, they open up a new classroom this week. I mean, it is bursting, and, she, and Kaylee needed help, and Terry's here to help her. And then Amy, I hope you get to know her with operations so that Beth isn't doing four jobs. Beth's our executive pastor that's been carrying about three or four jobs. And hopefully Beth has a little bit less now and Amy can take care of some of that stuff with operations. And even Julia, who was on the, on the screen as our intern with, with high school and middle school and college and young adults, I mean, Julia's gonna be doing all kinds of stuff for us. Get to know the rest of our new staff. We love where we're going. We think this is more sustainable. We knew we'd take a risk in doing this, doing these hires, but we needed to for long-term for our church, okay? So we missed a little bit of that. One more thing that I feel like we missed, or two more. One was that our, our middle school, school altitude lounge came back. I love it. You guys have the best seats in the house back there. You're our, you're our most important people in the back. Just if you're going to start playing games on your phone, just keep it quiet, but, but try to pay attention every once in a while to us. We, you, you got the Taj Mahal back there for you guys. And we missed, we missed uh, I missed Mindy Caliguire and Miss Humdy come up here and speak. Like I said, I just love, love it. When you guys live into the giftedness the Lord's given you and you bless others with it. And Miss Humdy and Mindy Calloway helped to preach for us during those weeks that I was off. And I'm so thankful for them sharing their gifts for everyone here in the church. So, so we missed some stuff, but I tell you what, I, I, I'll take dating my wife, okay? That was, that was so good, so good. Um, a, a series was formed in the midst of all the time that I was away. I had a lot of conversations while I was, while I was gone um, around issues of faith and, and around, around issues of church and issues of scripture, just a, the journey of faith. I had a lot of conversations around that. And it led me to, to thinking through a sermon series that we are, we're calling Faith Unfiltered because we need to talk more about it and have a very honest conversation about faith because these conversations, they were so many, went in so many different places. And one of them was, a, one of them was not good. It was really hard. It was a lot of politics, a lot of religion, a lot of ideology, a lot of assumption that was in that. 
I'll tell you more about that in a second. There was one that was with my parents. My parents grew up Catholic, and, uh, and so did I. And, and they're 78 years old now, I think, maybe 77. No, my dad just turned 78. He's still shooting like 74 as a golfer, and kill, he kills me every time still. But, um, but those guys, they were asking questions around, around, you know, what do we do? Things that they didn't think they could ask from years before. What do we do if we think that it happened over millions of years instead of seven days for creation? What do we do if we don't agree with parts of the Bible or don't agree, agree with parts of the church? What do we do with, with uh, questions of, uh, or doubts that I have around prayer? We, you know, they asked those kinds of questions and we had rich conversation about it. My brother came to, was talking to me about how he's a little disillusioned with the church, the overall Big C church doesn't like some of the things that he's seen coming out of the Big C Church and even coming out of leadership in the, big, in, the, in the church. And he was talking to me about the Bible, and he's going, I don't know if I like reading Paul right now because I don't like some of the things that Paul says. And, and so we walked through some of that, and those are great, rich conversations. But what came out of it was something else that I saw. There was such a disappointment that was carried with it. They felt disappointed, or they felt like they were disappointing God. They, there, was a, there was a weight that they felt and a guilt that they felt of going, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. I'm not living up to this perfect faith that I'm supposed to have. And so, so, they, so I saw that weight in them and I'm going, man, is, I think all of us tend to be carrying some of that weight. And I thought, let's, let's talk about that some more. Let's, un let's unpack that some more. We got to engage in that some more because if every one of us are coming with some doubt, and some questions and some of that weight, if we're carrying that weight and that's all, that's not what God wants for us. God doesn't want us to just walk with that kind of, of, of guilt or shame or weight. He wants us to walk with a freedom and a joy. So, let's, so I want to unpack that a little bit more. There's a passage that we're, gonna, that we're sitting in through this series. It's, it's, it's an old, ancient passage from, from Deuteronomy, and it's one that the, the, the people of Israel committed their lives to. It's one that many of you have heard before, uh, but it says this. It's, it was called the Shema, and it says, Hear, O Israel. That's where you get the word Shema. It, it says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This passage was saying this isn't just a, ver a life verse passage. This is what you commit your life to to love your God with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your strength, to love him that way. That's, that's what you're committing your life to. And these guys, they took, it, they took it literally. They actually put him in boxes and strapped him to their forehead. They put him, they made a spot on their doorway and they put him on their doorway. It was just gonna be part of everyday life that they were gonna live their life loving God with all of their heart and mind and strength. And then Jesus then took that and says, yes, that's the two greatest commandments. Love your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, and he added, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so, man, that's been, that's been just, just poured into us. And what we've done over the centuries is we've taken that and we've said, okay, I got to love God with all of my mind. And so if I doubt, if I question, if I, if I 
if I stray from just a pure, I got it, I get it, and we have something where I don't get, then I'm not loving God with all of my mind. He says, love him with all of your heart. And if I come, if I don't want to worship God and I come to church and I don't want to worship him, then I'm not loving God with all of my heart. And we carry some of that guilt of going, darn it, I'm not doing what, what is a very clear passage that I'm supposed to do. Love him with all of our strength. And you're just going, what if, what if there are days that I don't have the strength to be generous? I don't have the strength to pray. I don't have the strength to come to church. And so you just go, man, I just... I'm living then short of what God is commanding, the greatest commandment for me to do. And you guys, we've missed, we've missed, we've misinterpreted this. Okay, so hang with me for a second here. Let's get into this for a second. If he's saying love your God with all of your mind, and, and, and we think that means then don't have any doubt, then don't have any questions. If we're only loving him with the part of our mind that doesn't have any questions, then aren't we only loving God with part of our mind? That part that we get, but the part that we don't get, we, we, we just beat ourselves up for? When he's saying love our God with all of our mind, what he is saying is love your God with the parts that you get and the parts that you don't. And all of that is all of your mind. And I want all of that, the part, that you, the part where you absolutely get it. That might be 20%. And 80% you don't, but he wants that part too. That's loving God with all your mind. Loving God with all your heart. It's, if you only wait for the times that you are dead passionate about Jesus, that's only part of your heart. But all of your heart. When you are right there with God in the part, times where you are not, love me with all your heart means bring all that to the table. That's what I want. That's loving me is bringing all that to the table with all of your strength. Holy smokes, you guys, if we only love God with the part that we are strong in, come on, how weak do we feel at times? And he's saying, bring all of that. The times you are strong and the times that you are weak, bring that to the table and love me and I will love you through all of that. I mean, there's a, there's a the passage that says, you know, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. He's saying, man, I'll pour on grace on you. And my power is made perfect in that weakness. When I went back to my dad and he was asking me those questions and I felt that kind of struggle that he was going through, I went to him and I said, dad, you are not, you are not as far off as you think you are. In fact, you're not far off at all. It's okay to have these questions because God's love is meeting you in there. And I told him, I said, you might have 20 good years left of life. That would be, and, and I, I know that sounds bad to say, but it's true. I mean, let's say he does. I mean, that would be great. He'd live to 98. And I'm going, if you've got 20 good years left in your life, I said, I want you to live those years experiencing the joy of a God that's pouring his grace out on you instead of the worry and the disappointment that you feel of a faith that's not as perfect as you want it to be. And that's what I, and, and, and as I think about this series and this six weeks that we're going to spend together, man, here's what I pictured in my head. I pictured all of us walking in these doors with messy faiths, with faith that you might have, you might be dead passionate and so the person next to you might go, I can't stand singing any song today. 
And I want you to walk in with all, with all that messiness on this journey of faith and that what you receive when you walk in is this overwhelming grace that says, I love you. Now let's walk through these things that might make it harder for you to walk with me. Let's address those things. Let's address questions of the Bible. Let's address questions around the church and maybe a disillusionment around the church. Am I having trouble with my mic? I didn't even hear that. What am I having trouble with? Is it popping? Okay, this is better anyway because then I can show off my biceps a little bit more when I do that. All the young guys use the microphone like that because they can flex their muscle. I can't because I'm going to hurt my elbow if I do. Um, so, so, so I'm, I'm hoping that that's what would happen. I am hoping that what we would do is, is come in here and go, I feel it. I feel the grace of God. And now let's talk through it. Let's talk through the issues. Let's walk through all of that and recognize that I'm not trying to make a perfect faith. We are imperfect people worshiping a perfect God with a perfect love. That's what I'm hoping we get out of this six weeks, okay? So I want to pray about that, and then I want to, I'm not done. You guys go, sweet, we're done. We're going to go outside. I'm not done. I want to talk a little bit more about, um, about my own journey of faith when it comes to this stuff. So let's pray, and we'll keep going. Father, I am so thankful for, um, for getting to be back here and getting to be with my family, this church family. And, and, uh, and I thank you for the folks that maybe are coming here for the very first time and that they might start to experience what church family might look like. I pray that you would bless this series that we're doing. And I pray that we would be able to come in and be honest and not be afraid of questions and be honest around our struggle because we know that you know that. You know that journey. You don't expect perfection. Help us, Lord, to, to in that honesty, to unpack, draw us closer to you, um, and in the end, God, in our imperfection, God, help us to embrace your love. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, let me tell you a little bit about my journey in this too, okay? Um, here's, what I, here's what I set out to do over these six weeks. I had a goal. My goal was I, I just wanted to be centered. I, I, wanted my, I, I, know, I know that Jesus resides right here in me. And I wanted to be centered. I wanted my life to be centered around him. I wanted, I wanted uh, me to recognize really his presence in my life. And, that's, that's, and I wanted to, to take that and, and go, okay, live from that, that reality of God's presence in my life. I call that centered, okay? There's a passage in, in, in Psalms, that says, in Psalm 91, that says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's what I wanted over six weeks to find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him. And so I so wanted to recognize the presence of God in my life. And I said, God, over these six weeks, will you remind me of that every single day? Remind me of your presence. Because here's what I knew. I knew that in my past, when I recognized the presence of God in my life, that brings an intimacy with me and God. It's not, a, it's not a God that's a judge or God that is wrathful or anything. No, it's a God that is intimate and loves me deeply. And so when I recognize that, that he is present, there's an intimacy that that brings. And when that intimacy comes, then that gives me a confidence to live that out. And that confidence to live that out gives me strength to actually do what the Lord has placed in my heart. See, see 
if God's residing on our heart, his Holy Spirit is there. And Paul writes about this in, in his letter to the Galatians. He says, he says, the fruit of God's residing right here is love. And, if, and his joy and his peace, and you'll experience that, and his patience, his kindness and goodness and gentleness. It's even self-control and faithfulness. It's all of those. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And so if I'm living, recognizing the presence of God, then I know that that's an intimate moment. And from that, I have the confidence and the strength to live with that love and joy, and then others would see it. That was, that was my goal. That's what I call centered. And I said, Lord, help me to be centered in these six weeks. And it lasted two days. <laughs> two days. I had, it, was, it was great day one. You know, as Jack and I are traveling. Day two, we get to our, a, a relative's house. And we get to a family member's house and we, st and, and, we, and we start in on a conversation. And many of you guys have been in on these conversations over the last few years. A conversation that starts out with just some thoughts about life and some of the issues that we see on TV and in the news. And then it gets to your political view. And, and so, so as I'm sitting there listening to it, and I'm listening to the political view, I'm just sitting there just listening. I'm going, just listen, Bill. You know, just listen. And, you, and, and some of the things, you know, that gets into some of the religious parts of that. And so you're just going, just listen, Bill, just listen. But you know, as you're listening, you've been in these conversations, you start to feel it. Starts to feel in your chest. Starts to stir. You start to feel it, the blood in your face as you're going, just listen. Just listen, don't, don't, don't jump into that. My brother and I call this shaking the can. We do this when we play golf. When you miss a shot or two and you just put your club back away, but you're getting more and more mad, you're shaking the can. And like five, six holes later, a guy tops it or something. And then when you look over and he busts his club over his knee and you're going, what the world happened there? It's just that he opened the can. He opened the can and it just, it finally came out. And I, I, unfortunately, I've done that a few times myself. And, 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 so, and so you're sitting there in this conversation and you're shaking the can and you're just going, okay, no, 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 no. Just, just, just let it go. Just let it go. Just let it go. Just let it go. But hot button conversations start to come up. And that hot, you get a hot button moment of going, uh-oh, that, that, that hits a little closer to home. And you, so you're going, don't say anything. Don't say anything. And then another one. And then finally, one of the real hot button ones for me is when, is when Christians feel like every Christian should have the same response to every issue. That's a hot button issue for me. Come on. We all have to think and we all might have different opinion on something, but when we have this assumption that we all should have the exact same response, that gets me. And so finally, I'm just going, uh, don't you presume that I'm in the same place as you? you know? and so, then, so then that gets us. We go from conversation to confrontation. And we went confrontation and confrontation. And the next thing you know, Jackie and I are driving away at midnight and driving into the middle of the night into, into Idaho and Oregon. And I was so disappointed in myself. For the next three days, I went over the conversation over and over again. You know what that's like when you just relive the conversation. You think about what you could have said. I kept going over it just going, darn it, Bill. I want so badly to lead a church that can be conversational instead of confrontational. I want so badly for a sent church to be one where we can sit at the table together and even if we disagree, that we can sit at the table together, learn from each other, grow with each other, find common ground with each other and end up concluding Jesus' love together. That's the kind of church that I want. 
And it actually drives me crazy that the church has become so confrontational instead of conversation. I don't want a church where we all believe the same thing about everything. There's plenty of churches like that. I want one where we can sit at the table and honor each other and listen to each other and, and walk with each other in great conversation together. That's the church I want. And yet right there in that situation, the can opened up and it was confrontational instead of conversational. I was so disappointed with myself and I got off-centered. And the hard part about getting off-centered is it's hard to get back-centered because now you not only feel off-centered because of that conversation that you're reliving 700 times, but then you also feel stupid and guilty about the fact that you're no longer centered. You're going, ah, I've disappointed you, Lord. I disappointed myself. This is stupid. I, you know, and so I'm off-centered. Isn't it interesting how easy it is for us to get off-centered? Julia was talking about that with school, how easy it is for us to get off-centered. You have all the greatest intention. You get off-centered. You get off-centered at home. You get off-centered at work. You get off-centered at school. You get off-centered with huge things. You get off-centered with little things. Shoot, I was talking to my daughter who who's said, man, I feel like I've been off-centered since, ever since the fire. It just knocked her off-center. Some of you guys feel like you've been off-center for a couple of years since COVID. And, and, and we don't know what to do once we're off-centered. We're so far away. Shoot, for me, for me, that got me off-centered, and then it's even easier to get further off-centered. We get off-centered because of our health. You guys, I'm not wearing this strap because I think it's cool. My, my son-in-law is a professional disc golf player. And so in Spokane, he said, come on, Bill, come on, let's go play disc golf. And so we went and played disc golf. You guys, Justice can throw it 600 feet. That, he could throw it from here into a window in the far corner of our children's classrooms. And so I'm out there playing with him, and I am competitive. And so if he's going to do that, I'm going to do that. And so he just chucks it out there, and I throw it as hard as I possibly can for 18 straight holes. And by the time I'm done, my arm is dragging. The tendonitis got in there, and then, and then my dad wants to play a bunch of golf. I didn't want to, but he wanted to. And so, 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 so then we're playing a bunch of golf. You guys, I'm telling you, I cannot feel my fingers right now. It's so painful from my elbow down. And then, and then I'm on, on a boat on Elliott Bay in Seattle, and I slipped on the ladder, and I, my hand went down and hit the railing, and it separated my fingers, and I tore a ligament in my hand. And the next day, I did a wedding for my niece, and everyone shook my hand, and man, I went to my knees, but I couldn't tell them that it hurt. I'm just like, yeah, nice to meet you. I'm 53, and I'm feeling the pain of a 90-year-old. No offense to you 90-year-olds out there. <laughs> and it throws me further off center. I, 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 we find out when we're up in Spokane, we were supposed to be fifth in line to get our debris removed for our 37 homes in our neighborhood. Fifth in line. I called my son and said, will you go check to see if our debris is removed? And he says, Dad, there's only five houses left that haven't got their debris removed, and yours is one of them. And I'm going, God, is this one of those last shall be first moments? Because that stinks. And so my impatience got me further, further from center. And when I'm further from center, I'm feeling more guilt. In the meantime, I'm traveling with a woman that every time I was impatient, she just had massive patience. Every time I wanted to fight, she had peace. 
Every time my justice meter went off, she said, you know what, I'm going to respond to that with generosity. And I'm sitting there looking at Jackie, and I'm going, how are you doing this? And she said, Bill, there's no magic pill. She said, I'm trusting in the prayers of the people around us because we know a bunch of you are praying, and we so appreciate that. And she said, it's been a long obedience in the same direction. She said, I've just tried to be obedient. And she said, even before the fire, but especially since the fire, I've wanted the highs and the lows to be more of the middles. And she said, I've been praying for that, and I just am finding great peace in that. There's a lot there. That woman is a wise woman. There's a lot in what she just said, a long obedience in the same direction and trusting other people. And so I was inspired, but then I was even more frustrated too at myself. And then I felt like God was saying, Bill, listen to the same words you told your parents. You're not that far off. And while you feel far off, I am close. I felt like he grabbed me in the middle of that trip and just said, I'm with you in this. I am not expecting a perfect faith out of you. There's a, there's a passage in Hebrews that defines faith. It says this. It says, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's the anonymous writer of Hebrews that says that. Faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. But here's how I change that passage. I say instead, we throw that next one up there. I said, now faith is confidence in what we know and assurance about what we see. See, that's concrete and that's real and that's faith. It's what we know and what we see. But no, that writer was saying faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. You know what that tells us? There's room. There's room for imperfection. What we hope for and what we don't see means there might be times where we don't hope and we don't see. And there's room for imperfection in that. And Jesus is telling me, will you recognize that I'm holding you all the time? You might hold me some of the time. Will you put your weight down on the fact that I'm holding you? That's what I felt like he was telling me. Paul gets into this in Romans. He says in, in Romans, like in Romans 10, 9 and 10, he says, man, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he is risen from the dead, then you shall be saved. That's a statement of faith. But then he, it's like he climbs a ladder and he looks down over everybody. And he's going, and you guys don't want to know what? Nothing, nothing will separate you from that faith. Of that truth, of Jesus and his love for us, nothing's going to separate us. This is what he says, you guys. This is him looking down on us and he's saying, he's saying, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life nor angels nor demons. This is this next one. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, those times that you don't trust, that's not going to separate you from my love. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. And now, if I didn't cover it, is what he's saying? If I didn't cover it that time that you disappointed yourself when you went from a conversation to a confrontation, that time that you got super impatient, that time that you felt super wandering, that time that your, 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 your doubt dominated every bit of your faith, in those moments, if, it, if I didn't cover it with everything else, I just said nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus. And that leaves plenty of room for our imperfection. 
that leaves plenty of room for us to end up a little off-centered. And he's going, I love you, and let me help you to get back-centered. It leaves plenty of room for that, you guys. He's, there's, a, there's a poem, and you know me, I love poems. I love them. And there's a poem where, where a guy named John Campbell Sharp says this, Let me no more my comfort draw from my frail hold of thee. In this alone rejoice with awe thy mighty grasp of me. I'm going to hold that for just a second because sometimes I have trouble reading those kinds of things because it sounds all high and I don't get it. Let me no more my comfort draw. I can't get my comfort from my frail hold of thee, my faith that can be so weak at times. It can't be that. In alone, I rejoice with, in this alone, rejoice with awe. That's where I can find great joy, even when my heart's not fully in it. That I can find great joy, even when I'm doubting a lot. That I can find great joy, even when, when I have zero strength. Because of your mighty grasp of me. Put your weight down, Bill. Put it down on his hold of you, not your hold of him. Rachel Held Evans, I love what she said about this. She said, for better or worse, there are seasons where we hold our faith and there are seasons where faith holds us. Some of you might be coming in with a faith that's very strong right now and man, I cheer you on. But some of you, your faith is holding you and God is holding you. And like I said to my dad, we're not that far off because he's that close. Join me over these next six weeks, you guys. Let's take a real look at faith. Let's take a real look at our questions. Let's not be afraid of them because as we take a closer look, maybe we'll draw even closer to them. But like I said, the goal isn't perfection. The goal is for us to recognize that if I'm gonna love God with all of my mind, I'm bringing my doubt with it. And if I'm loving God with all of my heart, I'm bringing the moments that I don't, I'm not passionate about God. And if I'm loving with all of my strength, it's the moments that I'm the most weak. Because when I'm weak and when we come in here weak, he's made strong. That's a journey of faith and that's, the, that's what I'm, inviting you to come with me and let's take that journey together. Father, I pray that in these weeks to come as we unpack and we think through our own issues of faith and I pray that you would give us the strength, the little bit of strength that it would take to even just come. To come and to unpack things. For the person in this room that doesn't even profess a faith in you, that they would come and they'd see your love that covers them as they take a step of exploration. I pray that you'd meet each one of us in all of the ways that we feel less than centered, in those places that we feel like we've disappointed you and we've disappointed ourselves. Intercept those thoughts and feelings, Lord, and help us to just rest in the beauty of your grace and your love that came from your sacrifice on the cross. And we thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.
Amen.